Welcome to the Boutique Hotel News podcast. Here we share the latest news, comment and opinion from across the boutique, luxury and lifestyle sectors, along with thought-provoking interviews with industry leaders. My name's Eloise Hansen, news editor at BHN and host of this week's episode. Today I am joined by Leonard de Jong, Chief Commercial Officer at Citizen M, where we talk about the adoption of subscription-based models within hospitality and the changing needs of corporate buyers and suppliers. What were the key drivers for launching the corporate subscription by Citizen M? Well, I believe that uh, the core driver was actually, uh, it started already when we started Citizen M. Um, and um, that's, yeah, that sounds like a, a long way, uh, you know, long, long time ago, but uh, you know, we named Citizen M after uh, our target audience, mobile citizens, so people that, uh, that travel a lot. Uh, and we try to do everything for them. Um, and that is, you know, so in the name of the brand uh, sits already uh, a very uh, a big desire uh, to become everything for a specific set of people. Uh, what you see in the, I would say in the rest of the hotel industry is that everybody is trying always to be something for everyone mm-hmm. and to cater to everyone's needs. Um, and if you then focus on that, that, that means that we've gone through a phase of building up Citizen M. So first we were just a bunch of hotels in Europe and then we opened some hotels in, uh, in, the, in the UK and in the US and also in France. And slowly we had a portfolio and we could really see a repetitive audience uh, appearing within Citizen M. Even without a traditional loyalty program, uh, we started thinking about a, uh, and of course got asked the question a lot, what about a loyalty program? Mm-hmm. And uh, what we never believed in is that you create loyalty by giving somebody a card, say, hey, you're part of the club. And uh, yeah, I give you uh, financial rewards for coming back to us all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, we believe that, you know, that target audience, uh, these mobile citizens are coming back to citizen because they really like it. Because they like our living rooms, they like our staff, they like the cleverness of our hotel rooms, they like the technology, they like the customer experience. And not because they get paid uh, so, you know, at Christmas they can spend a few nights with the family um, at another citizen. Um, and that's where we started with our first ideas on the subscription. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, I would say that's uh, two or three years ago that we started to look at this. And this is not really about this corporate subscription, because for us, the corporate subscription is really step one in uh, for us a series of uh, engagements with different audiences on a more subscription uh, level rather than a transactional level mm-hmm. um, but for us it's really about once that customer goes over a threshold he or she commits to citizen m and we're committing back that's what's the start of a relationship with a person um, rather than uh, yeah going through a transactional process uh, every time um, yeah, and then COVID happened. Um, we looked at a big change in the in the landscape of people working working people. Uh, people are not allowed to travel uh, either by their companies, by their governments. Uh, the the transatlantic is, uh, flights are closed, and uh, you know we are in the big cities. A lot of the people live in the big cities. Uh, people are working from home, and then we said, can we come up with a a proposition that uh, is actually post-COVID, but also during COVID already working for them. So how can we start a relationship with these people 
not how can we sell them a cup of coffee, but how can we start a relationship with these people mm -hmm. uh, that can carry through after, uh, you know, let's say the, the, the initial crisis is gone and we get to this new normal. Mm -hmm. And I know you've only launched the, um, the corporate subscription only a week or so ago, but what's been the pickup so far? Well, I think there's been an amazing uh, response, honestly, uh, you know, both by, of course, in the hotel industry, uh, people talk about things a lot. So uh, obviously you, you get a lot of, uh, you know, buzz around hey, what Citizen I'm doing, what's this corporate subscription, is it the subscription, is it not the subscription, what is in it, is it smart, is it not smart. Uh, so you have this whole hotel industry debate, but uh, that's something for us on the side. What we've really done is... Uh, We've uh, reprogrammed our sales teams uh, that have been in contact, actually. They're still in place. Uh, where the majority of the workforce in that area is on a furlough at the moment. Uh, with us, everybody's in place uh, uh, from, the, from the sales side. And uh, they've been contacting uh, our, you know, the companies that have always been working with us. And they're not supplying us with a lot of corporate travelers at the moment, simply because they cannot. Um, but these are the people that we have been contacting about it. And they're very very enthusiastic and we're just a week into the sales cycle uh, we literally are in contact with uh, a couple of hundred larger uh, uh, larger companies and also a lot of uh, individual yeah, smaller smaller business units mm -hmm. and uh, people need to get their head around it like hey when is this going to be uh, interesting for me but nobody said this is not interesting at all mm. i don't get why you're doing this mm -hmm. and You've clearly launched this um, almost in response to those, those changing dynamics of our working and living habits. You mentioned in it that you've been seeing that regular guest arrive at Citizen M. So how are the needs of the corporate travel buyer changing and what do you think they will now be looking for? Well, I think what uh, to to answer that you really have to start looking at those corporations, and uh, everybody can do that within their own corporation. Everybody can testify to some extent, uh, some more, some uh, to lesser extent about what's going on. And what we did already in uh, April, May, and June, we organized a, a dozen uh, focus group with these corporates to ask them what is happening with your population, mm -hmm. what is the uh, what what are the policies that you're putting in place, and not just now because understand now we're in a crisis, everybody needs to uh, the, you know take home and shelter and uh, you know lockdown, intelligent lockdown or not, uh, but what are your what is your vision for the rest of the year and also for next year, and then what we heard was that the uh, uh, basically corporates are allowing their staff to work further. Uh, from the HQ or from the office than ever mm -hmm. because people have realized you can do a lot of things from home. You don't need to go five days to an HQ, commute, uh, be stuck in traffic uh, to do your job. Uh, mm -hmm. If you work for Facebook, uh, instead of living in Silicon Valley or San Francisco and paying uh, cost of living there, uh, you can also live in San Diego mm -hmm. uh, or maybe in Atlanta. So the, the corporate real estate planning is gonna go through a massive change. Uh, recruiting is gonna go through a massive change. And that made us think, okay, what does it mean for us? Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, there will be efficiency in unnecessary travel, mm -hmm. right? The days that I, can, uh, that I went to London back and forward for the day just to have a couple of meetings that I can also do 
uh, on, uh, on a hangout or on a Zoom call. Um, you know, those, those days are over. Uh, if I go to London, I probably want to do some more qualitative meetings and I spend a couple of more nights. So I will spend probably more time. But what is also over is the, the days of unnecessary commuting. Mm. Um, that means that people are going to shift. And if you, you can, you know, publicly find this in the big cities, cities like New York, San Francisco, people moved out. Mm-hmm. People canceled their apartment and started to live somewhere else. Actually, we found it out. We, we said, let's get together in September. Our CEO actually managed his way to get through the, um, uh, you know, on the transatlantic flight, uh, went to the US, said, I want to see the team. But the team was not in New York. <laughs> they were all somewhere else. All the mm-hmm. people that were based in New York were somewhere else. So they get, had to get hotel rooms uh, for this meeting. Mm-hmm. And that's also something we really validated uh, in the US with corporate real estate planners. But also in Europe, uh, I think in, in France, we spoke with a company in May that already agreed with their unions about the amount of days that uh, for the next year people can work from home. And basically, if you're uh, working 10 years for the company, you can work an extra day from home. Mm-hmm. And then we also found out their travel budgets got decreased by 30% for next year, but their team meeting budget got increased by 200% for next year. Right. So... We will see, and uh, we're 100% convinced on uh, on our belief that we will see a shift from meaningless business travel, uh, traveling mm-hmm. for the traveling, to uh, people that instead of commuting, actually they are commuting uh, probably a little bit further. So they will take a flight. Uh, they will stay uh, for a couple of days in a hotel because they're visiting the office rather than living close to the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a simple add-up of uh, yeah, what uh, the, the total economic check is, uh, I would say, for a person, but also for a company. If you normally pay 2,000 euros a month on rent and you're now paying 1,000 euros, then it's easy to spend 1,000 euros a month on other things, mm-hmm. uh, including yeah, staying in a hotel in the occasion that you need to go to an office. And so we see, I think we will see a shift of uh, the reason that people travel, but we are very... Um, optimistic that there will be um, there will be a lot of travel Mm -hmm. and from a supplier's point of view how do you deliver that value add well i think what we heard um you know from from different companies that we uh, that we interviewed is that uh, it depends on the type of uh, uh, the type of employee or the type of department so what salespeople like is a place where they can do everything in, uh, uh, in one place. So they can sleep, mm-hmm. they can meet, uh, they can do a little bit of work, they can do some exercise, uh, they can have a drink, a social conversation. Um, and that's what we really feel comfortable with as a, as a brand because we did not just design bedrooms uh, with a, you know, a, a front desk to check in and a couple of outsourced restaurants, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have back of house space. We don't have offices in our hotels for uh, all kinds of corporate functions. We've centralized that. So the entire uh, you know, footprint of a hotel is dedicated for people um, to, to do that, to, to work, uh, to meet, to play, uh, go to a rooftop, and it's, it's everything that we do there is for that uh, traveler. So that's that salesperson, right? So that mm-hmm. the, the person that probably the, the first one that will be traveling. And we really believe that 
sales needs to be done in, uh, uh, in person. Eh? Because the moment that you lose a piece of business because your competitor went in person, the CEO will say, okay, everybody will travel again for uh, the customers. Mm-hmm. Then there's this, uh, this other, and I think that, that is currently what we're really focusing on, this uh, remote worker. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, cannot go to the office yet or cannot go all the time to the office, but he does need sometimes a bit of space. Or sometimes, and we see that here, for example, is that teams will meet. Uh, they will meet actually somewhere else or they meet, uh, they work out of their office and then they have a social event at night. But people feel less comfortable than traveling back after dinner, so they're staying over. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's also where... Um, our lobbies, uh, our meeting rooms, uh, in combination with the bedrooms, uh, the value add is that everything is under one roof and everything is packaged in a monthly subscription. Mm-hmm. And so for the what is normally the price of free hotel rooms, mm-hmm. uh, for the price of a uh, WeWork, uh, we give you both. Mm-hmm. So it's WeWork and uh, citizen rooms uh, for the same same price. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of you know building on top of each other and on top of that we're, we're throwing on some throwing in some things to make it even better i like free breakfast a free drink if you need a couple of hours meeting rooms that's also part of the part of the deal um, mm-hmm. so i would say that those are at the moment really the uh, for this corporate subscription uh, which is uh, you know 550 uh, uh, euros 500 pounds 600 dollars a month uh, that's where the, the value add is focusing on. It's uh, for the people that will travel first, uh, probably the salespeople, uh, but also the remote workers that need this occasional office space, but don't necessarily want to, you know, go into a full, you know, rental commitment on a uh, on an office space. Um, and uh, yeah, combine it with a bit of work, meeting, um, uh, social and sleeping. Mm-hmm. And do you think that other hospitality brands will adopt a similar subscription-based model? I think we see some, uh, some brands that are doing parts of it. Mm-hmm. But the benefit that we really have um, is that we are an owner-operator, which means that if we decide on something, we roll it out in all of our um, hotels and, uh, and we can. Uh, whereas with uh, most of the other hospitality brands, they always have to deal with external owners that need to approve then part of it. Mm-hmm. If you think about the subscription model, what you need to do is you need to put a value on everything. Mm-hmm. If somebody comes to you for a room night in New York, in London, in Paris, in Glasgow, in Rotterdam, and the cities where we uh, we operate, uh, there's a different value because hotel pricing is dynamic and the owner understands that. But now the brand is selling it at a fixed price. Mm-hmm. So how do you manage that dynamic? It's already difficult in the loyalty redemption. So I think to to really go for subscription-based uh, services, big brands will have a, 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 an issue with their owner community mm-hmm. uh, post-COVID. And now everybody will accept anything, but post-COVID, uh, that will always be uh, um, a, yeah, a tensed dynamic. And probably the owner operator uh, brands, they, they will be able to do something, uh, do something like this. Mm-hmm. And what's the benefit um, to hoteliers, so to speak, of introducing that um, subscription model? Well, I, I can only speak to ourselves. And uh, what we're on is a journey of customer lifetime value mm-hmm. rather than... 
you know, uh, increasing the occupancy and the ADRs and the rev bars and your net profitability of yesterday, mm -hmm. right? And that's, I think, how we enlarge all of our systems are set up in the hospitality industry. There's not a lot of PMS systems. I think there's some modern PMS systems now that can handle um, customer lifetime value, but most of them are really about hotel operation. So how full was the whole yes? How full was the hotel yesterday? At what price? Is the way we measure success. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty short-sighted. What is the benefit of subscription? And this is a little bit the movie studios uh, mm -hmm. complaining about Netflix or not understanding Netflix. What's the benefit of Netflix if you give all the movies at, you know, what is it, twelve, thirteen dollars a month? Mm -hmm. uh, if you can also do a theatrical release and you know uh, have uh, people pay uh, extra and then you slowly start going down and you end up on people's televisions for free almost uh, at the end that's the tension of a subscription-based model but netflix believes that there's a two billion three billion uh, potential audience uh, that can buy their uh, subscription to to movies and series Mm -hmm. uh, and we also believe in, uh, uh, if it's true, the, the corporate subscription, as I said, this is, for us, it's the start of a journey. And there will probably be all kinds of subscriptions that we would like to put in front of people because it makes the marketing way more simple. Mm -hmm. Think about normal ads of a hotel. Mm -hmm. It says, you know, think about it. individual hotel in London. You want to sell on Instagram. What do you sell? Right, the pictures of the hotel, look at this nice hotel is not going to convert. So it always needs to be something like, if you go to London and you, you got a ticket to go to London, uh, a flight ticket, and you know we happen to be available at the price that you're willing to pay, mm -hmm. please come to our website direct and then book this, uh, uh, and book our hotel. Mm -hmm. That's very difficult marketing. And that's the reason that the OTS have become so big. But if you sell a subscription, is it, mm -hmm. We take care of all your hassle in London, New York, Paris, Los Angeles, San Francisco. So we're tying it up to a rollout plan. Uh, we are the solution for you. Buy the subscription now, whatever it is. If it's a corporate subscription, individual subscription at this price, mm -hmm. and everything is arranged. Then mm -hmm. we can spend a lot of money on that acquisition, um, you know, rather than trying to just look at the demand for London and trying to sell our rooms in London. Mm -hmm. How do you see the traditional points-based rewards scheme evolving? I think that's a it's a killer question. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm I've, I was always tempted to say that experience um, wins over bribes because mm -hmm. basically that's what it is. I think there's going to be uh, an increased level of consciousness of people. Mm -hmm um in all kinds of aspects and uh, it's a trend that you could see pre-covid that has only become more and more important uh, you see a lot of uh, social uh, activism at the moment so people are really conscious about uh, what companies do um, what they stand for um, and i think that is also uh, if you look at the loyalty scheme what it really is mm -hmm. i'm traveling for business I'm making my boss pay more <laughs> because I get the private benefit out of it later, mm -hmm. which is not really clear. And it's probably out of proportion, but I'm going to do it anyway because I'm spending 150 nights a year. 
So I will stay 150 nights at the Sheraton so I can stay at the St. Regis at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. In certain countries where, you know, there's more um, yeah, level of fairness with each other, I would say, like in Germany, um, you have to, you know, you have to, how do you call it? Um, uh, as, as part of your uh, tax returns, you have to put in how much uh, rewards you have. Mm-hmm. with the airlines because you get taxed on it they see it as a, a benefit from the company mm-hmm. and that makes people very conscious about what they're doing mm-hmm. and that's uh yeah i think that the, the, there's a an increased level of transparency in everything we do mm-hmm. and uh yeah i'm not sure if uh, i think if subscription models are are kicking off then it could be a real threat to the traditional points-based uh, loyalty schemes yeah? because yeah you commit people on a different level then uh, purely I give you a card and then, uh, uh, yeah, you can put business spends towards private benefits. Mm-hmm. Thanks for listening to the Boutique Hotel News podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with industry news, head on over to boutiquehotelnews.com and sign up to our twice weekly newsletter.